What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so grateful for your support. I'm so grateful for your presence. And in case you weren't aware, Thrive is an acronym that stands for Thoughts, Habits, Relationships, Intention, Vitality, and Embodiment. And this is an acronym that I created to really create a framework to teach you the things that we never learned in school. And my intention with this podcast is to bring on world-renowned guests to break down their success, their breakthroughs, their obstacles that they've overcome to create massive amounts of success, health, and wealth in their life. So I'm so grateful that you're here. And now let's get to today's episode. But before we start with today's episode, I wanted to make an announcement that I'm so excited about. I just launched my Magic of Microdosing free course. This free course has over 10 videos where I really break down the neuroscience of microdosing and talk about how this medicine can potentially lead to massive transformation and healing in your life. So if you've been curious about implementing this medicine, this is a great resource for you to tap into. And again, it's 100% free. So make sure to visit the website magicofmicrodosing.com or just hit the link in the show notes below. Much love, y'all. Yo, we back. We back. Thrive University podcast. <laughs> I got my boy Renee Lacotte in the building. Did I say finally, it right? bro? Yeah, you said it perfectly. Finally. Well, we know each other for what two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're finally doing this. I'm glad we're making it happen, bro. So I don't have an intro to read out. It's okay. Man. So I thought maybe we could just start off. Who yeah. is Renee Lacotte? Renee Lacotte. I am a 27 year old entrepreneur. I dropped out of college. Um, I was born to a single immigrant mother. And I think what makes my story so enticing for some people is I literally grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles. My mom never made more than 30 grand a day. And fast forward. 30 grand grand a a year. (laughs) My mom mom never made more than 30 grand a year. And fast forward to uh, 10 years later. Uh, I've cleared $30 million in revenue for my companies. Um, yeah, man. Self-made millionaire, I guess. I hate that term because it sounds so pretentious. But it, it, for all intents and purposes, that, that's what it is. So I think that's what makes it. And I think I try to stay authentic to who I've always been. Yeah, that's dope. I think it's a good place to start because, like, I wanted to ask you, in my journey, and I see this with many other people, there's a limiting belief around money there's a scarcity mindset around money and i'm curious to know like growing up with a single mom growing up pretty much broke Mm -hmm. not being surrounded by affluence how were you able to cultivate a mindset that allowed you to really step into the ability to manifest millions of dollars that's a great question i've never been asked that question in that specific way um I think a lot of it comes from being, it sounds weird, but I think change comes from trauma, Mm. you know, and me having a single mom, it added trauma to my life because I see other kids with more things than me. I would go to school and people would buy lunch. It sounds like something small, right? They they would, high school, I remember this, 
I was on the program where the school gave you lunch because my mom qualified because she didn't make that much money. So the school would give me a lunch every single time. And I remember this is when you're a teenager, so I would get embarrassed because at lunchtime, all the kids are like, let's go to McDonald's, let's go to Carl's Jr., let's go to this restaurant and eat a burger because we have money that our parents give us. And for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll meet you guys there. I'll meet you guys there. And I would sneak over to the office, collect my little like box lunch, eat it real quick, go meet them and be like, oh, yeah, I'm not hungry. It's okay. So seeing that made me angry. I was thinking, why do these kids get to do that? How come I don't? It almost felt like life wasn't fair. Mm. And I would get really frustrated. So the first thing I, I thought of was, how do I make more money so I can do what other kids are doing? And then it eventually leads you down a rabbit hole of how can, because it never ends, right? So obviously at some point, you're going to need a stop. But for me, I was like, cool, I made some money. Now I can have a lunch, right? I was hustling so I, I could buy lunch with my friends now. But now there's always, there's the kid with a car. How do I make money to get a car? Right, right, right. How do I make money to get a nicer car? How do I make money to get an apartment? How do I make money to do this? So eventually, uh, the more money you make, you see, you're always going to see people above you and you always want to be able to do that. Right. And coming from that position I was in, I didn't have anything. And when I would see people with things... And it almost made me angry. And not in a hurtful way. I never wanted anyone to get hurt. But angry that, that I, I was dealt the cards that I was dealt. Yeah. So that's almost what it felt like. Yeah. It's crazy, too, because when I look back, when I look back at middle school, high school, like I grew up in a pretty affluent suburb of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I realize now, like looking back at those experiences and the kids that had the nicest clothes, the nicest cars, the nicest shit they grew up with a level of entitlement mm -hmm. that stripped away any hunger to be successful. 100%. Because, because when you're fed shit on a silver spoon, it's like, what's the point of even working? Yeah. Right? And I'm just, I'm, I'm personally grateful. Like, you know, my dad was a doctor, so we had money, but my parents always made me fucking work for shit i always shopped at tj maxx ross like mm -hmm. i had to buy my mom's used car for 5k a honda crv yeah. and i'm grateful for those experiences because it's allowed me to cultivate a certain work ethic that i have now and i don't feel like i would have had that if i was just fed shit on a spoon yeah one of the best parts about being rich isn't actually being rich it's the juxtaposition it's experiencing the poorness because then it makes the rich so much better. You know how they say there's no darkness without light or there's no light without darkness, right? There's no love without hate. In the same way, being rich is only great. One of the best things you can get in life is being rich when you were poor. Because mm. then you've seen what the other side is like. Yeah. It gives you perspective. If all you've ever known in your life is money, then, oh, this caviar means nothing to you. This nice car means nothing to you. But everything is so much sweeter when you can imagine the other side. Right? right? For me, I, I had a car at some point, the BMW i8, my dream car. And I remember having that car and appreciating it was the best thing ever because I'm like, oh, I thought about this when I was a kid. I posted this all over my social media as a, as a kid. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, this is... So when I finally got it, it made it amazing. That feeling you get, right? The lower you go, the lower, lower lows means higher highs. So for me, everything I get to experience now, it's, it tastes so much sweeter because I've seen the other side. Yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing, man. How, how, much of, how much of, like, when you started to accumulate a certain level of wealth, mm -hmm. did you find yourself kind of buying material things and, like, chasing external validation just because you could? Mm -hmm. Right? Because I feel like my experience of you now is, like, you've done much more inner work. 
Yeah. So now like you're not looking for outside validation because you mm -hmm. feel that level of inner peace within. Mm -hmm. Right. So well, tell me a little bit about that. Bro, it was it was a mess. I, and I think I call this the Justin Bieber effect. This is the best way to explain it. Any guy that makes money or I, I want to say a majority, not any, but a lot of guys that make a lot of money typically go into like a black hole of like hedonism. They just want sex. They want expensive things. They want validation. They want to just do things that are pleasurable, right? And they almost lose discipline. Mm. That's because once you get something and you're used to getting something, you're going to continue to want it. It's almost like a drug, right? Validation is like a drug. It's like cocaine. You want it more and more and more. Same thing with making money. You make money. You want it more and more and more. Dopamine, I guess. Dopamine is, is a drug that people are addicted to. That's why people are addicted to porn. They're addicted to fucking drugs. They're addicted to drinking. They're ad addicted to all of these social media, their phones. It's because of all of these hits of dopamine. Right. So I think naturally when you go from having low hits of dopamine, because let's say for me, I was, I don't want to call myself a loser, but I was a guy that was broke. I wasn't necessarily someone that people came to and looked up to. Uh, there was no hits of dopamine in my life. But then you make some money, you get laid, you get, to, you get a couple wins, that dopamine starts hitting, and you get addicted to it. Mm. So at some point, I was just chasing the dopamine high. I was, I was like, cocaine, give me it. Uh, girls, fly them in. Where are we going? Here? Cool. Yeah. And all I wanted was that dopamine rush. Yeah. And then eventually, it's, again, it's a, it's a black hole because you get sucked in and you're so burned out, right? Your brain's so fucked up because your wiring's all crossed, and you feel unhappy, and at that point, that's when I started exploring, I guess, more holistic solutions. Solutions that, that uh, fit more with the natural way we are as human beings. I think the happiest people are the people that live closest to the natural order. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So when did that journey start kind of... Because, because quite frankly, like, you're still young as fuck. Yeah. Right? And I'm 32, so I have a few years on you. Mm -hmm. But it's like... I also think those experiences at the club with the girls, mm -hmm. those are part of life's beautiful experiences. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, we can't necessarily experience those, you know, later on in life when we're married, we have a family, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't think there's anything wrong with experiencing those things. When did you feel this shift in regards to like, this is no longer bringing me fulfillment? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great question. I think for me, there was one moment. I just had, I used to throw like crazy parties at my place in LA. Um, really nice place right above Staples Center. And for me, one day, I remember I just threw a crazy party. Bunch of people were there. They're trashing the place. I didn't care. Someone was going to clean it in the morning. And I woke up and there was a, a girl stayed over. So I woke up. There's a girl there. She was still asleep. I get up. I walk into my living room. There's fucking like four or five people. I don't even know. Just laying like in random places someone's on my couch someone's in the other room someone's on the floor there's burn marks on my on my wood on my hardwood place is fucking trashed. destroyed trashed i look around and i'm like there were stains on the ceiling somehow i'm assuming because we were like spraying champagne or something and i look around and i was like i felt so disgusting mm. and you can't really act out i wanted to be like everyone get the fuck out of my house leave me alone i wanted to clean i just wanted peace Right, because right. normally when you wake up in your house, you want peace. I woke up and there's a bunch of strangers. My place is torched. All of these people don't care about me. I don't like. I'm not gonna see any of these people ever again. And they're literally just using me for this fun temporary night. 
and it just felt so gross and disgusting. So I think at some point, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I need to change. So I started, I went to therapy, right? I got a little life coach and they started telling me things about myself that I didn't even know. I was sabotaging relationships. I was searching for uh, external validation. All of the things that you hear, I was genuinely doing it. And once I started doing that work, it almost cascaded into me finding deeper meaning in life. Was this before you moved to Miami or you were doing like going back and forth? I was going back and forth. So I had a place here. I had a place in, in LA. And at that point I was making the most money I had ever made in my life. Right. Uh, so I was just adding, I was like, let me get another car. Let me get another place. Let me get another girlfriend. Let me just get a bunch of stuff. And I think the more you add, the heavier it gets and the more weight you have on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask you though, man, cause I, I feel like, this journey that we're talking about, I feel like you are, if I were to look at people and say like role models, right? I wouldn't say myself because I have flaws, right? Maybe business financially, I could be a role model to people. But as far as just a whole human being, I feel like you are someone that people could look at as a role model because you live a very holistic life. So I got to ask you, like, how did you do that inner work? Because I, I know it's different for everyone. It's yeah, not yeah, easy. Yeah. So like, what was your... Shit, man. I appreciate you asking. I mean, one thing that I think is misunderstood mm -hmm. is I think self-help should be recategorized as self-work. Self-work. Okay. Because if you want to become a better version of yourself, mm -hmm. you're going to have to put in serious work. It's not going to be fucking easy, which is why 99% of people settle for a mediocre life. Yeah. And I always say, if you want a 1% life, you have to be willing to do the shit that 99% of people others. are not willing to do. Yeah. So that might be that ice bath. That might be starting that fucking business that you've always wanted to, leaning into that discomfort. Mm -hmm. And for me, bro, it really started. There's a couple different points. And I appreciate what you said. Like, for me, when I was 24, I was back home in Cali working a job that I thought I loved. And, um, I got fired from the job. My girl at the time was cheating on me. And, uh, and I was like, bro, like my environment's not serving me. All my boys mm -hmm. from high school and college are still just like playing N64, smoking weed, smoking blunts till like three, three, three AM. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, I need to change my environment if I don't want to fall into this pit of darkness. Yeah. Right. And, um, so I made that move. I drove to, I drove to Miami and just went on a journey of like self-discovery, bro. Mm -hmm. Like pursuing my passions like I was always passionate about fitness I never saw it as a career I thought it was more of a hobby mm -hmm. and then the real shift like the biggest shift and I'll I'll always say like it sounds very cliche but the most life-changing experience for me by far was July 2018 in Peru when I first sat with ayahuasca mm. I, I've had an experience with ayahuasca too yeah and we'll talk about that like yeah. for me bro that took my blinders off before then, I was playing extremely small. Yeah. I was drowning in self-doubt. Did you try any other psychedelics prior or before uh, doing Aya? Or? I had tried mushrooms. I had tried acid. Okay. But not a lot of times. Not with intention. It was very recreational. Right, right, right. But like I felt a deep calling a month or so before. And I just booked this trip to Peru, Peru mm -hmm. by myself. Yeah. And dude, that first night, literally, 
chilling, sitting with Nicki Minaj. There's the most, so, so I'll just give you like an idea of where I was like in my life. So I was just, all of my money and finances was tied to personal training in mm -hmm. person, right? Mm -hmm. Trading my time for money, mm -hmm. right? And all of my self-worth was attached to my physical appearance, my body, my right. six pack. All of my content was just shirtless workout videos. And I knew there was much more to me, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to express that side yeah. of myself. And this medicine, bro, I'm chilling, I'm sitting, I have my eye mask on, I'm deep in ceremony sitting with Aya, and I get a tap on my shoulder in my experience, and it's Nicki Minaj. <laughs> and she goes, yo, Jeremy, I just want to let you know, you're fucking dope. And I'm like, Nikki, for real? Like, you, you know who I am? And she's like, yeah, I've been watching you. And I want to do an Instagram live and have you on there for 30 minutes. And you get to talk about whatever you want. Yeah. I literally have goosebumps, like, reliving this story. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's such a random thing, too. So, so I start channeling, bro. Mm -hmm. In the ayahuasca experience, there's like 15 other people going through their journey. Yeah. And I just start speaking out loud, which you're not really supposed to do in a ceremony. But I just was channeling. Words were flowing out. I wish there was video of what I was saying. Because after the experience, a couple hours later, seven or eight of the other people came up to me and they're like, bro, your words literally got me through the darkest moments i've ever faced your words literally transformed my life mm -hmm. and it was that moment that i was like wow my voice is fucking powerful bro yeah i'm gonna start stepping into that power i'm gonna start sharing my voice i'm gonna start sharing my truth mm -hmm. in a more authentic way mm -hmm. and that shifted everything it was like shortly thereafter i started a podcast and i just started to speak my mind more yeah and then the last five years have just been a nonstop evolution of that. Mm -hmm. I think there's something beautiful when you say speaking and your words have power. When I walked in here today, the first thing I said to you was like, I love how convicted you are. Mm. And I think there's something spiritual about speaking your truth uh, because it comes from somewhere else. And I know this from me when I speak on stage. I don't ever have anything planned. I think a lot of speakers will step on the stage and they'll have this, this slideshow that they're prepared and they're ready to go. With me, I don't know what it is. I say, hey, I don't have anything planned. I'm going to stop, step on stage and just channel whatever, whatever God needs me to say, mm -hmm. whatever the universe needs me to say, whatever needs to be heard, right? In the, context, in the context of business or mindset, just what people need to hear. Ultimately, I don't even go on stage to talk about business. I just say, for, I talk my experiences, I talk... My life, I talk whatever comes to my mind as long as it's the truth. And from what I've noticed, when you do that, something takes over. Mm. It's not even you anymore. I, I, it's hard to explain. It's not even you anymore. You don't feel like you need to force it. You don't feel like you're thinking about what to say. You're not thinking of what to say to trigger other people's emotions. You just say it, and that's the most powerful stuff. Mm. So it's, I'm so uh, glad you mentioned that, bro. Yeah. Like, and that's also what comes across. When I, when I see your videos too, it's like that authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I completely resonate with everything you just said. Like feeling that channel, like I'm just a vessel. Yes, that's a vessel. The, that's the perfect word. You're a vessel. Like I'm just delivering this message. Mm -hmm. And I think that's honestly what builds the most connection 
yes. is when people see someone who's just authentic, like they're, they're gonna, they're gonna improvise. They're gonna like engage with the audience, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna crack jokes. Like that's the shit that hits. Yes. And like, when you said that, bro, it's crazy because so, so like uh, a month and a half ago, mm -hmm. I gave a TEDx talk. Fire. So, Fire. So I've been, I literally on my vision board back in 2020, mm -hmm. I had a red dot in the middle of my vision board. And I was like, this is the year I'm delivering a TED talk. Then the pandemic happened. So the talks got canceled for two years. Fast forward, literally applied for over 100 different TED Talk venues all over the world, bro. I was like, yeah. fuck it. I'll travel to Lithuania. I'll travel to Switzerland. I'll travel to fucking Bangladesh to give this talk. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't give a fuck. Finally, get the green light. January 2023, I'm in Louisiana. And it's all about mushrooms and mental health. I've been preparing for this moment for literally three years, bro. Mm -hmm. And... There's 13 speakers at the TEDx venue. I'm the 10th speaker. So I'm like forced to sit through all of these Everyone talks, else, like yeah. nine talks. And I'm backstage for about 20 minutes. They're micing me up mm. and getting ready for my talk. Just trying to prepare myself mentally, get into a calm state. Dude, 30 minutes before this talk my entire lower body is shaking uncontrollably like I've never experienced before. And I'm like, fuck, bro. Like, I'm trying to calm myself down through my breath. I'm trying to listen to sounds that are going to chill me out. And nothing was working, bro. And I'm like, fuck, I'm about to be on stage in 10 minutes. Yeah. This is a massive moment. And I feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Dude, in that moment, I literally just went outside. And I just prayed to God. I was like, Lord, please just allow me to be a vessel for you. Mm -hmm. Please allow me to deliver this message from a place of love, from a place of authenticity. That is all I want. I trust you. I surrender to you. Yeah. Two minutes later, bro, I walk out on that stage and my whole body just feels at peace. And I'm so present. And I delivered the talk of my life mm -hmm. that hasn't gone live yet. And... It was that moment where I realized, like, exactly what you said, bro. Like, fuck. Like, that gave me all the affirmation I needed to just reconnect to source and yeah. understand that's not about me. It's not. Yeah. I, I love that. So whenever I see charismatic people, I, I think to myself, he, he or she, they have it. I don't know what it is, but they have it. Right? They can tap in. They can connect to that. Because at the end of the day... Nothing we think about will ever be as powerful as channeling whatever that is. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain in a logical way, but channeling, you said source. Yeah. yeah tapping in the source, that's the best way, I guess, you could phrase it. You had your ayahuasca experience like six months ago. Side note, by the way. Yeah. One of my clients, one of my students in the mastermind, she was like asking me, hey, like, where do you re recommend... Um, that I do my Aya journey. She's like, I've been watching YouTube videos and she sent me a link. And one yeah. of yours, your, your video on Aya, I think was trending yeah. on YouTube, um, which is amazing. So, <laughs> so take me back a little bit uh, to, first of all, like what, what was, what was the feeling that you wanted to, that, what was the feeling that you experienced that had you pursue a path of plant medicine and ayahuasca? Yeah, I think 
human beings, naturally, we search for meaning in our lives, right? Like, I think that's what we do as human beings, naturally. And I think ever since I've been a kid, I've always tried to assign meaning to my life. What am I here for? And in a weird way, I always felt like I was chosen. And I thought money was going to fix it. I was 18 years old, broke. And I'm thinking my job is to make money, change the world, become an influencer or whatever, become a public figure. So I did that. Made some money, thinking it was going to fix my problems. Uh, I built a, a social media following, thinking it was going to fix my problems. And even then, you don't necessarily find meaning. I'm like, this is great. I have followers. I have money. What now? Right? I wanted to figure out, like, I wanted to add purpose to my life. Mm. So I experimented with mushrooms, experimented with acid, and nothing ever really hit that way and i was like fuck it let's let's what's the the next step up and i hear a lot of these incredible stories about ayahuasca and how it changes people's lives and so there was a lady that had dementia or something and then she took ayahuasca and it went away it was like some crazy mm. miraculous things and i thought i need to do this i need to do this and i was at a place in my life like i said i gotten everything i had ever wanted there was nothing left for me to achieve in, in my head what else can I do? Let, let's figure out, me, let's see if I can find meaning. So naturally, uh, I was like, I signed up, did the ayahuasca. And to this day, it's one of those things, even months after I took it, I would get chills just thinking about it. It was crazy. Uh, and naturally, everyone has different experiences. For me, I saw the world begin and end. And it gave me a sense of impermanence. It made me realize how fragile life is and how we need to appreciate this thing and be grateful for this thing. And it also like helped me build a relationship with God because I can say confidently, before that, I was very spiritual. right? I, I would manifest a lot of things. I would post on my Twitter, hey, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. And all the things came true. But I didn't necessarily have a relationship with God in the same way that I do now. So I think after... The ayahuasca trip, it helped me strengthen my relationship with God. Uh, it helped me be more grateful and more present to every day. Because this is a beautiful thing, man. We're literally fucking, we're here talking about what we love to do. And it's our fucking job. What's it, what day is it? It's a Friday afternoon and we're just sitting here talking about what we love to do. And people are going to watch this and it's going to touch people and change people. doesn't even have to be a lot of people. If it touches one person and it changes their life, it's fucking fine. Facts. The fact that we get to do that on a Friday afternoon, it's fucking incredible, bro. So it's just like, you got to love life because of that. Yeah. So That's dope. Like, they say, they say that, and that, that's really powerful, like that experience that you explained. And, and it's, it's just, I think, I think it's, it's powerful to see people of influence and power and impact step into the medicine because a lot of times we can be neglecting our heart mm -hmm. like we can be leading from a place of just like yo getting shit done which is dope and that's what you've been so great at the last decade is like you have an ambition you take action and you create results mm -hmm. right and it's also like where's that coming from that energy yeah right and and stepping into that when you already had this other shit just to like come in what else is there for me mm -hmm. and they say that they say that ayahuasca is the vine of the soul yeah. and 
the vine of death mm. because parts of you die in that experience past yeah. versions of yourself for me the insecure version of myself died right the version of myself that came to life that was born was that powerful leader mm -hmm. with confidence with conviction and i'm curious to know for you like what was the part of yourself that maybe withered away I, that that's a great question you know i think about that a lot too i think the angry part of me because uh, a majority of my life i've always been very angry Mm. And maybe I'm just angry at life. Maybe I'm angry I never had a dad. Maybe this is what my therapist tells me. Maybe maybe I'm angry I never had a dad. Maybe I'm angry that I grew up poor. Maybe I'm angry that life is unfair. I don't know. I've always had some some sort of anger in me. Mm. And I remember after it was just gone. I was a lot more chilled to everything. There was no more anger. And it's and the thing is, people say, "Oh, you used to be so confident." Friends from two years ago, you used to be not confident. You used to be so motivated so you had fire behind you and now i almost move from a place of of certainty instead of a place of trying to to confirm something because before i was angry so i was like let's fuck let's fuck everything up i'm in beast mode today because i was angry yeah now it's almost like let me, let me solve today's problems one at a time i'm not gonna rush it i'm not gonna force anything i'm literally doing what i need to do i don't need to be angry at anyone or anything in order to yeah. like before the battery in my back was anger and now it's almost like i move from a place of certainty mm. and certainty is a product of more inner peace i feel like the yeah, inner peace confidence i think just a combination of those things uh anger is a powerful fucking fuel though it is you know what i mean and i think i think sometimes like i actually had to do anger management when i was 17 senior year of high school because I played tennis mm -hmm. and we were the own rep, our own referees in that experience. And this kid fucking just lied about a call in a very crucial moment. I literally <laughs> jumped over the net, bro, and got in his fucking face. And like tennis is a very proper game. Like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I was that kid who was like, bro, what the fuck? You just lied about that bullshit call. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I cussed out my English teacher. Yeah. They're like, bro, you, you need anger management. And, and that experience taught me and the other people in there to like suppress our anger like if you feel anger just like don't show it mm -hmm. suppress it i don't think that's correct no not okay. at all and, and and literally for the next decade of my life like i would feel feelings of anger resentment come to the surface and i just stay quiet Push it down yeah and what that leads to is just repression that literally mm -hmm. causes inflammation on a cellular level so it's all about finding ex healthy ways to express that anger I agree. So I, I always say this. There's two types of anger. There's destructive anger where you fight someone, you hurt another person, you do something malicious. And then there's productive anger where you channel that energy. If a girl breaks up with you, you're not going to fucking hit her. That's the worst fucking thing you can do. If a girl breaks up with you, if you go to the gym, you work out, you get better. And let's say you date a, a better girl, a prettier, nicer girl, right? That's productive anger. You took that anger of a woman breaking your heart and channeled it into becoming a better human being. Yeah. Right? So there's nothing wrong with that anger. The, the anger that's destructive where you hurt people, that's the wrong way to channel your anger. So I tell everyone, hey, if you, if you look and see someone on social media, they might be flexing their car or their watch or their whatever, their penthouse, right? It could be like this douchebag right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, You're that fucking guy, Renee. <laughs> don't be mad at me. or It's okay to be mad at me, but don't 
be angry in my comments. Don't say, hey, you're, you're a douche. Like, use that as motivation or even as anger to make your life better. Mm. When I see my friends that, I, a lot of my friends now, these guys all take jets everywhere. I'm not on that level yet. I'm not on jet level yet. I'll get a first class. I get a little lay flat. I'm not on jet level yet. I don't have that much money. A lot of my friends, you'll see them. Oh, we're going to Greece this summer. Get, fire up the jet. We'll go. When I see that, I don't think, oh, like I hope they fail. Like why are they so successful? I look at it and I'm like, oh, all right. Bet. Next summer, let's see who has a bigger jet. That's where right. the, the anger comes there. It's, and it's not even anger anymore. It's almost like a, like a playful competition. So instead of being angry... Uh, or I mean, sorry, it's okay to be angry, but you have to use it in a productive manner. You have to channel that energy correctly because anger is a great motivator. Yeah. It's, it's also interesting what you just said. I think one of the greatest signs of a true friend, a true homie, a true brother is when they see you winning, they fucking cheer you on. Yeah. And so often we live in a world where it's comparing. It's a mindset of scarcity where if I see you winning and being successful, that's somehow extracting from my ability to create success in my life, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening or watching, like surround yourself with people who celebrate your success. Yes. Because that is true fucking friendship. Friendship. And yeah. then and then something else I was going to mention, like when you said that about your friends, is I don't know if you can relate to this, but like... I found myself like these last couple years, it's very hard for me to spend any time around people who aren't pursuing a path of entrepreneurship. And what I mean by that is the only way that you can grow your business is by growing yourself. Yes. You have to be constantly working on yourself if you want to create success in your business and in your life. And I feel like so many people who are stuck in the narrative, the paradigm of working nine to five jobs and they're so comfortable in that life, they don't have the desire to constantly be improving. They don't have that fire in their belly that's burning. Like today, I'm going to get 1% better so I can grow myself, grow my team, grow my business. Yes, 100%, bro. And going back to abundance and scarcity, I love this because this is one of the biggest things in business and life. When we talk about abundance and scarcity, when people come from a scarcity mindset, they always feel like there's never enough. Mm. And they don't realize how business works, how life works, right? Business is creation, ultimately. You, you, with your business, you've created something that didn't exist prior to you creating it. Mm. So there's more than enough to go around. That's why when you have a mindset of abundance, you succeed in business and life. Because when you create new things, there's always you, the fact that you can create it means there's always going to be enough to go around. Mm. Right? Yeah. And that's just how the world works. That's how like the universe works. That's how life works. You can create things that have never existed before. Back in the day, people always complain that, oh, AI is going to take our jobs. And they say this. Uh, that'd be the equivalent of saying uh, factory, uh, I'm sorry, farming tools, farming the little tractors, that's going to take jobs from people because it did. But what did it do? It created more food for other people. And now there's an abundance of food because of that. Yeah. So naturally, creation leads to more progress, which leads to an overabundance, which means there will always be more to go around the more you create. Yeah. You know, it, it's a really tricky topic. People find it hard to grasp, but it's true. And that's why I'm so big on people starting businesses, because let's say you start a business 
people assume if your business is making a lot of money, I can't make any more money. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You're starting a supplement company. I own a supplement company. Right. I want you to do great because guess what happens? The supplement industry grows. Yeah. So there's more people that are taking supplements because you might be able to inspire someone to take supplements that I could never inspire. Facts. Right? So but you're looking pretty jacked, my guy. Thank you, man. Thank I, you. I see you putting in the work. Thank you. But like I said, you starting your supplement company is not taking money out of my pocket. If anything, you are helping me because if the supplement company grows, more people find out about me, more people find out about you. We're essentially feeding each other, yeah. right? We're helping each other. So I think, I think coming from a scarcity mindset is stupid. There, scarcity doesn't exist. Yeah. It's no, fake. I mean, it's, 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 it's all of these subconscious programs. Yeah. You know, and it's like you may be growing up in a household right now where you have a couple siblings, mm -hmm. right? And you have this story that there's not enough love to go around. Mm -hmm. And this is why there's a lot of anger and resentment between siblings, bro, is like because they feel like their parents played favorites during their childhood or all of these other narratives that exist. Yeah. And I think it's so important to like, for instance, like mushrooms, ayahuasca, these different plant medicines. One of the things that I think is so powerful about them is that they allow us to reprogram that subconscious mind in a way that very few other things can. Yes. Like, I'm a huge fan of breath work. I'm a huge fan of yoga. I'm a huge fan of ice baths, mm -hmm. right? But these medicines have a very unique way of allowing you to access some of those stories, narratives, limiting beliefs, toxic thought patterns, harmful habits from your past, reprogram them and rewrite a new story, a new narrative for your life. Yes. And that's why I think they're medicines mm -hmm. and not drugs. Yeah. Also, I agree with that, by the way. And you mentioned real quick, I know you were going to say something. You mentioned like when you came to Miami, you know, like the hedonistic cycles. Yeah. Right. Like the clubs. Yeah. Um, uh, like lines of blow, whatever. I, yeah. I had my experience with that when I first moved to Miami, <laughs> full, full transparency. Um, when did you, is that something like you pretty much like right now? I'm just curious, like what's your relationship right now with alcohol? My relationship right now with alcohol, I'll drink occasionally before it was almost, there was sadness there too. So I would drink by myself mm. almost every night mm. just to like, you know, kill whatever thoughts I had running crazy in my mind. Now it's like, I don't need it. I don't need alcohol at all. I don't drink at all. I'll drink occasionally if a friend's in town. I'm like, hey, let's drink because it's a social thing. Um, but I, I've i cut my drinking substantially. I'm in a relationship now too, so uh, I don't really go out as much. So a lot of the things that cause me to drink, right, going out, uh, going places, doing things, being sad, using it as an escape, a form of escapism. I've cut that out of my life, so I've cut my drinking substantially, but I'll still drink occasionally. Yeah. And I know you're very anti-alcohol, so I want to hear, hear your thoughts. No, no, I love, I love what you said. Like, that's exactly how I am. Okay. I don't have anything against alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's just people's relationship with it. Yes. And like you said, most people don't have the ability to actually sit with themselves mm -hmm. with their thoughts yeah. with their emotions so what do they do they find things to numb themselves mm -hmm. and unfortunately many of those things like alcohol are extremely harmful for your body and your brain it's a neurotoxin it yes. crosses the blood brain barrier and this is a huge reason why so many men especially are hurting 
This is we're having a crisis of masculinity in America, That's and a happening. huge a huge reason, bro, is because so many men are a slave to instant gratification, and one of those things is alcohol, alcohol. because now they can't even feel their emotions, they can't express themselves to their partners, and they're just avoiding the 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 journey of actually doing the work. Yes. And that's the thing, right? Uh, it's not only alcohol, it's porn too. I have a very bad view on porn. I hate porn. I think porn, I think it ruins men. This crisis of masculinity you're saying, I think porn uh, adds to that. Because of instant nice. gratification. Prior in the past, let's say before porn, as a man, if you wanted to have sex, you would have to like work on yourself. Because girls are not going to like you. You're a fucking fat slob. Sorry, it sounds mean. Might get canceled for saying Facts. it. But if you're a fat slob, like women are not going to like you. So as a man, you were forced to, if you wanted this thing, which was sex, right? You would have to go work out. You have to work on yourself, become a better human. And then guess what? You get laid. Now it's like you go on your fucking phone, put in porn, fucking jerk off. Like it, it just ruins the entire thing. And men, it's giving men an excuse to be fat, be lazy, uh, not work on themselves. And it's like, it, it, it's sad. And going back to the alcohol, because I want to continue on both, because I do think alcohol contributes, contributes to it too. One thing that pisses me off more than anything else is when I see people that don't have their shit together going out and partying, drinking alcohol, like wasting their time and money. Because time, time is the most precious resource you have, right? And I don't find anything wrong with partying or drinking. Obviously, I, I still do it. But when it becomes something that you prioritize over your well-being and you don't see an issue with it i look at these people i'm like i can't respect someone like that because because you're allowing yourself to not be fit to not be financially fit to not be mentally fit right because fitness i think is more than just physical it's physical financial mental uh your your health on all of these things is not good and you're still partying on the weekends you're still drinking a bunch of alcohol it's kind of fucked up man well, let's talk about that too, because because most people, most people, I would say ninety nine percent of people are using the weekends mm -hmm. to escape their Monday through Friday reality. Escapism, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. They may be unhappy with their nine to five job. They may be unhappy in their relationship, and they're literally using the weekend to numb themselves with alcohol, party, do these things. And this isn't coming from a place of judgment. This is coming from a place of love. Like, I want to see you win. I want to see you be successful. I want to see you fucking be happy, mm -hmm. right? But if you are using 30% of your life to escape the other 70% of your life, you're in a fucked up place. Yeah. And somehow, bro, somehow, some way, our society has normalized waking up Sunday 1 p.m. in the afternoon, completely hungover, completely unfunctional, mm -hmm. not, not able to be a, a contributing member of humanity because you got so fucked up and belligerent the night before. And now you're just out of commission for an entire day. Like the reason why I stopped prioritizing partying is because I care way too much about making the most of every single day. Yes. And if I'm going out till 3, 4, 5 a.m. on a consistent basis drinking, doing drugs, I'm going to wake up at 11 or noon or 1 p.m. and I'm going to feel like shit. And that is essentially like slapping God in the face, bro. Because I know God gave me so he much. blessed you with this time. 
so much power away. and so much potential to make a positive impact in the world. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to neglect that and yeah. feel like shit all fucking day, bro. Never. Yeah. Never. And yeah. if I do go ham one night, because I definitely most certainly will, because <laughs> I like celebrating life too. Like I'm going to wake up 9, 10 a.m. and force myself to get after it. Yo, so I love, I love what you just said like there. Because this is something that I do, right? Uh, this is actually not too long ago, maybe three months ago. Went to the club, popped bottles, drank a bunch. I drank way more than I should have, right? I, I was over here saying, I don't drink as much anymore. I drank a fuckload that night because it was there. I'm going to do it. I remember waking up the next day and I was angry. I was angry, but instead of being angry and like sitting around all day, first thing I did, get up, gym, longer than I normally do, hour and a half, sauna, sweat everything out, literally uh, get in the sun and then rehydrate. Like I was trying to get it out of my system as fast as possible because mm. you have to make up for time lost. One of my friends actually tells me all the time, he said, uh, alcohol isn't fun. It's just borrowing time from tomorrow. From Yeah, borrowing time from tomorrow. When you drink, all you do is borrow time from the next day. So if you don't want that to happen, you have to make sure you take initiative, right? Like how you said, if I, if I drink or if I party, because I do, I'm going to make sure that I make up for it. So if I ever lose time because of alcohol, it's my decision. I'm going to accept the consequences of that. And whether that's me waking up early, whether it's me working out extra hard, whether it's me putting more work in, in the office, I'm going to do everything in my power to make up for that because you are right. God bless us with this life, this time. Why are you going to waste it? Facts, bro. Yeah. Like, and what were you, you were going to say? Something? Well, I'm just saying I love, I love that idea because I think it, it helps people understand that I think when people watch your content, they might think, oh, this guy's lame. Like, he just doesn't like fun. It's, I, don't, I don't get that from you at all. I don't think that's what you're saying at all. I'm I think it's more so you appreciate life. And when you yeah. throw life away, it's like, you, what are you doing? You get frustrated at people that, that waste this beautiful thing we have. Yeah, it's actually really funny. Like, when you look at it like that, when you, when you actually, because I, I, I haven't really thought about that. Like, one of the most common comments when I did check comments, let's say I post a video and I'm calling out a harmful, toxic ingredient, yeah. right? So many comments will be there like, YOLO, you only live once. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. You only fucking live once. You only get one life. Why would you want to waste that life, waste your existence, consuming disgustingly toxic, harmful foods that are destroying mm. your health, right? Yeah. Like that's not living life to me. Mm. Living life is feeling energized, inspired, grateful every single day so I can make the biggest impact possible, so I can support my friends, my family, my community. That's what fucking living life is to me. And the people who seem to misunderstand that as like YOLO, like, well, I'm going to die anyways. I might as well just like drink a bunch of Coke, eat a bunch of cereal yeah. and jerk off into a tissue every night. Like, <laughs> like that's just not the life that I fucking desire, bro. Like, yeah. it's just not the life that I want to live. Mm -hmm. And that's okay for people who do want to live that life. The world needs mediocre people too. Mm -hmm. Right. But like we mentioned earlier, I'm committed to creating a 1% life in every single area of life. And the thing is, I think people that say they want to live a life like that, they're in denial, bro. No one wants to live a life like that. People could say, I'm happy doing this and living this life and being overweight and 
not making any money. No one is actually happy with that. Mm. The, the only reason they say that is because they're too lazy to put in the work and they're justifying them not working. Yeah. They're justifying them eating unhealthy. They're justifying their bad behavior. They're justifying it because they don't want to put in the work. Because I know from experience, I've been broke, right? And I have nothing against people that don't have money. But to say that you would prefer that over being rich, it, it's like a, it's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because when you're rich, at least you have a chance. You have a shot at, at making money. Or, I mean, you have a shot at happiness, right? If, if I have money, I can pay for my mom's flights. I can pay for my mom's vacations. I can make sure all the bills are paid. I don't have to worry about anything. If I'm broke, I don't have that same luxury. So I tell people money doesn't buy happiness. I, I can agree with that. But you have to make money in order to say that first. If you make a bunch of money, let's say you become a billionaire and you're like, money doesn't buy happiness. Fair, you tried it. But if you're broke and you're saying money doesn't buy happiness, you have to make money first. How do you know? Facts. That's, that's, like, so saying, that's like saying being fit doesn't make you happy if you're a fat guy and you say that. It's like, how do you know you're not fit? Right? If there was a, there's, there's a fat guy and he was like, you know what? I'm happier fat than I was when I was fit. It's a little bit different. You could understand that more. Um, but for the most part, the people that genuinely, genuinely, genuinely work on themselves, you'll never hear them say, I'm happier broke or I'm happier unhealthy. I'm happier uh, feeling like shit every day. Dude, it's so true. Like, I'm making more and more money mm -hmm. each month, each year. Not to your level yet. <laughs> I'll be there soon. But even just having more flexibility financially allows me to actually do things for the people that I love. Yep. And it allows me to give my time away in the community, whether it's volunteering and not having a trip about like, oh shit, like, like I need to be working during those two hours. It's like, no, like I created this lifestyle that allows me the freedom to do whatever the fuck I want, whenever I want. Mm -hmm. And if that's, you know, chilling at the beach on a Tuesday afternoon, very well. If it yeah. means working and grinding at Saturday night, very well. That's the life that I'm choosing for myself. Mm -hmm. and, and once you have more financial flexibility, it's actually a huge improvement to your health. 100%. That's where I was going to go next. Because like, the, amount, the amount of people, bro, that, that are... Con I mean, 70% of America is living paycheck to paycheck. Yep. That is an incredible amount of stress to live with every single day, wondering if you're even going to be able to pay the bills and put clothes on your ch child's back. Like, I would never want to be burdened with that level of stress. And... For someone to neglect the importance of financial abundance and health, mm. like that shit's going to improve your health, your family's health, your family's well-being. Now you can afford higher quality, healthier food. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say part of that, just from the simplest example, right? And I know from experience, when I was broke, you know, I was eating McDonald's. You know why? It's fucking cheap. I get a $3 McDonald's burger and fries for three bucks. Now, for my lunch, typically, one of my favorite things to eat, and don't, I, mean, I don't think you judge me, it's actually healthy, but it's just like a ribeye, brown rice, and like some veggies. Every lunch, like that's my favorite thing to eat. Hell right? yeah. It's 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 35 bucks, Uber Eats. So, $3 burger versus $35 lunch, right? People that don't have money, they're going to opt for the cheaper option, and it affects their health in a negative way. And you could say the same thing for trainers, coaches. You only get better with money in all aspects of your life. 
if you use it that way. Because you could use it the opposite way. You could use it to buy 10 burgers from McDonald's. But if you use money in the correct way, it can improve your life drastically in every aspect. And I, I think a lot of people have a perception of money and wealth because they immediately associate it with all the material things. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's true. Like you mentioned, like all the material shit, like the BMW, bottle service, all that stuff might supply you with those hits of dopamine and, and some instant gratification. But ultimately, it's not giving you that level of fulfillment in the long term. Yeah. Right? But w what you and I are talking about is actually using money to create better health, mm -hmm. more freedom, yeah. and, and a better life for the people we love. Yeah. Well, money doesn't buy you happiness, but well, it's not that money doesn't buy you happiness. It depends on what you spend it on. Yeah. Right? Like a Ferrari is not going to make you happy, but your mom never ha having to work again, that makes you happy. Mm. Right? Right? What, you're, were you're, you able to retire your mom? My mom doesn't want to retire, man. She has my little brother there still. So that's a, that's a long, complicated thing. But my mom has had some experiences where she's never experienced ever in her life. Uh, I've taken her to a lot of different places. Um, I took her to a castle, Napa Valley. That was cool. Uh, she's, she's tried caviar for the first time. She's done a lot of things. She was on a yacht for the first time recently, actually. It was really sweet. So it's like the happiness you see on her face when she gets to see all this stuff, mm. especially since it's her son that she like had this little child and she raised it by herself, and now it's like putting her on on flights all over the country, taking her to, to places she's never been, showing her things she's never seen. It, it's a beautiful thing, man. How does how does your mom receive those things? Like, because I'm sure at first, especially, it was a little uncomfortable, like coming from a place of scarcity and 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 poverty. Like, oh my gosh, like this is so expensive. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want it. Yeah. Like, tell me a little bit about that, because when I try to treat my mom to things sometimes, like, she still has trouble receiving because she always had a problem and challenge, like, mm -hmm. giving things to herself. My mom, this is one thing I learned early on. In the beginning, giving herself was really hard, because she'd always be like, how much is it? Yeah. And then I would tell her, and then let's say I got her a dinner, 400 bucks. She'd be like, oh my God, it's such a waste of money. That's my food for a month. She would be so opposed to it. So now whenever I get her things, I just don't even tell her how much it is, right? Like that way she just puts an idea in her head, but her idea is way off. Like I, we got a yacht like a month ago, not even that, uh, two weeks ago, we got, a, we got a yacht, I put her on a yacht. She's like, how much was it? And I'm like, oh, it was okay. I'll just leave it at that. Because in her head, she's like, oh, it's probably like 300 bucks, 400 bucks. She <laughs> doesn't realize it was a couple grand to like yeah, get her yeah, on yeah. the boat. So um, when she, as, as long as she doesn't know how much it costs, she thinks it's like a cute, fun experience. Right? And she That's doesn't realize people uh, love it as much as they do. Or, I mean, it doesn't cost as much as... For her, the money's the biggest issue. Because in her head, she still can't fathom that someone would spend this much money on a certain thing. Going back to your, your everyday steak for lunch, yeah. where are you ordering that from? Wagyu Bar. Is that... Where's that? Coral Gables. Coconut oh, Grove. Coconut, damn, that's like a far Uber Eats truck. Yeah, man, listen, you got it's the best. It's like the best bowl for my lunch, man. It's so good. And and I'm I'm curious to know is is are you are you doing most of your food these days like ordering in just to kind of save time from like one hundred percent. This is a big big. If you want money making advice, stop cooking. It sounds so counterproductive, but I hear all these people give advice and they say you should cook your own meals to save money. It's the worst 
way to make money to save money it's just bad for your financial in general because think about it right you don't have to eat what i eat every day you don't have to eat a fucking steak and rice but let's say you get a 15 uber eats right it could be something healthy it could be a little teriyaki bowl or something it would take you an hour to cook that so for you to neglect or choose not to get a 15 uber eats to your house is you saying hey an hour of my time is worth less than $15. Yeah. Right? Because that's what they're trying to do. The lowest return on investment activity you can do is literally cook your food. Right? I, I actually, one, I really do agree with you. So I, I still, and I'm not saying don't cook food. If you like it, if it's like therapy for you. Right. If you, if you like to cook dinner at night because it's like you light a candle, you play some music, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. is fun. Fair. But if you're trying to hustle, you're trying to make money, you're trying to, uh, build your financial health, you should not be cooking because it's a low return on investment activity. This is, this is actually a huge mental unlock for myself and every single person watching and listening to really take note of because when you actually start to value your... All right, fam, I am sorry to interrupt the show one more time, but you already know I don't have sponsors for this podcast. Really, I use this platform to just provide free value for you. That is my mission at Thrive University is just to provide you the education that we never experienced in our childhood. So I created a nutrition program that literally breaks down all of the necessary principles to optimize your gut health and your brain health through nutrition. And this course used to be $297, but I wanted to make it massively affordable and accessible for everyone. So it's now $29 for lifetime access to some of the best content I've ever created regarding nutrition. So if you're ready to take your life, your health to the next level, make sure to visit the link in the show notes to take advantage of that amazing opportunity. Listening to really take note of because when you actually start to value your time more, you'll start cutting out a lot of the shit that you're doing. Like I personally haven't done my own laundry in two years. Yeah. I pay $35 a week for them to do my laundry. Sure. If I did it myself, it would be like $6, but it would also take like two hours. I'm not yeah. trying to be stuck folding all that shit and like <laughs> transferring it to the dryer, removing the lint. No, I'd rather pay a professional. Yeah. $35 and during those two hours, I'm able to create massive value in my life. 100%. Right. And in today's world, it's easier than ever. Like your time now is worth more than it has ever been in the history of civilization. Cause, mm. and I tell this to kids too. Kids think my time is better if I sold it to a company for eight bucks an hour, or 10 bucks an hour, whatever minimum wages, right? Your hour is best spent literally getting a camera, talking into the camera. Because you buy a camera, you talk into the camera, you just share your thoughts. That can make you a bunch of money. I've had videos go viral, and it's made me five grand in a day, right? Imagine that. One hour of my time was $5,000. And people don't realize that because they spend all of their time doing these mundane tasks. Laundry, cooking, cleaning. Facts, bro. It's Outsource so as many things that don't directly make you money or that aren't even necessarily your passion. Because an hour doing something you love to do is still better than, than an hour doing something you don't want to do to save money. Facts. You know? And ultimately, that's the goal. People just want to make money to do what? To buy their time back. Because time is the only resource we don't get back. 
So every rich person you could ever meet, I have a lot of rich friends now. They're all millionaires. Some of them probably have $100 million. The one thing they say is they would give up all their money if they can get their time back. And that's what your goal is. Your goal is to make money so you can hire people to then get your time back. Mm. I'm going to breathe into that one. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's literally, like, it's such, a, it's such a powerful download. Even, like, even sometimes I'll be like, damn, you know, I'm paying this person what works out to be like 80 to a hundred dollars an hour to help me with something. I'm like, fuck, like, should I do it by myself? And I'm like, you know what? Not only am I not as good as that person doing what they're great at, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to enjoy doing that thing. Cause it's yeah. not my superpower. Yeah. And, and one of the things I've really been focusing on a lot lately is spending my time in my zone of genius. Zone of, I love that. That's exactly what I call it too. Your zone of genius. Like my fucking zone mm -hmm. of genius. What's my zone of genius? Doing this. Yep. Connecting, connecting with homies, connecting yeah. with growth-oriented people, recording content, speaking at events, facilitating growth within myself and empowering others to become the best version of themselves. Like that's my zone of genius. The more that I get stuck and caught up doing the meaningless shit, like writing copy for an email or laundry, like yeah. these things that aren't at all in my wheelhouse. I understand that I need to pay someone to do those things mm -hmm. and outsource them. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you have like a similar mindset. Zone well, of I think, genius. Yeah. Ultimately you just want to focus on your zone of genius. That's it. That's the key to life, to business. If you want one piece of advice, focus on what you're good at. That's literally it. Because at the end of the day, even if it doesn't make you money, at least you had fun doing it. Yeah. Right? I tell people that all the time. I want to start a business, but I'm scared it fails. Cool. Is it something you like to do? Yeah. So what's the issue then? You're mm -hmm. just having fun. You know? That's, that's, that's such a good mindset to it's have. It's a win-win situation because you're doing it because you enjoy it. But hey, if it makes you a million dollars, it makes you a million dollars. The yeah. worst thing you can do is do something you hate for a paycheck. It's the worst thing you can do. Because ultimately, you look back on your life, you threw away the only thing that you can't get back, which is your time. The one thing I don't want, the reason I would never trade my life for anyone else's, despite all the mistakes I've made, how I said, like, I went down this black hole of hedonism and did a lot of shit that fucked up maybe my body, my mind, my mental state, uh, spent a lot of money, bullshitted. I can die today knowing I lived a very full life. Mm. I posted something on Twitter, and it's true. I had a friend when I was coming up. We were coming up at the same time. And we both started making money at the same time. I blew it on flying girls out, traveling, drinking, bottle service clubs, cars, watches, jewelry. He saved it and invested it. Today, he has probably four or five times more money than me. He has a lot. He has six Ferraris or like six cars, Ferrari, Lamborghini, all these expensive cars, McLaren. I have none of that. He's way richer than me. When I look at our lives, I'm like, I would not trade one piece of my life. I would prefer my life because yeah. I lived a very full life. The, the last thing I want is to be on my deathbed and think, hey, like I just saved and invested my entire life and never did anything fun. You know? What if? What like, if? What if I would have actually allowed myself to enjoy life? Yes. How, how is it, dude? Like I've, I've been also contemplating this. Like how is it? that our society has been programmed to believe that we should spend 40 years of our life, our precious life, working a job that we hate, 
a slave to a salary. And then guess what though? Renee, at 65, we get to hang it up. We get to call it quits. We finally get to retire and enjoy our life. Meanwhile, at 65, because you've probably been neglecting your health and you've been stressed working this job you hate, mm -hmm. you're probably on four or five different medications. You're probably 50 pounds overweight. You can't even enjoy your life. Yeah. And somehow we've been convinced that this is the way we're supposed to operate our lives. Like, it's fucking ridiculous, bro. When you look at society, and not even just society, but all the structures within society, right? And I'm talking like corporations, because all the corporations, they're fucked up in a sense. A corporation wants you to work. They want you to do your job until you're old, then you die. But you spend their, a corporation wants you to spend your entire life working for them. Mm. A corporation wants you to buy their products. It doesn't matter if they're healthy for you or not. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about your time. They want to buy it from you, right? You know why? So these corporations, whoever runs them, they have more time. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you are either buying your time back or someone is buying yours. Mm. That's really it. So you have to decide what, what side of the fence you're on. Are you going to sell your most valuable resource or are you going to buy it from someone else? It sounds fucked up, but you could buy it from someone else in in an ethical way, right? Let's say uh, a big company wanted to buy your time. They offered you a million dollars to become the face of their company and, and they did stuff that all aligned with you. They are buying your time, but they're doing it almost in an ethical way. So whenever I look at any of my businesses, I look at, hey, will this benefit everyone, right? Will this benefit everyone in the transaction? Will it benefit all the people working for me? Will it benefit everything in general. I never want to force anyone to do something they don't want to do. You want to create win-win-wins. A win-win-win, 100%. So when you look at life, uh, anyone watching this, you are either buying someone else's time or they are buying yours. And if, they are, if you're getting your time bought from you, under what terms are they buying it? Are they buying it under terms that you enjoy and like? Or are they buying it because you want to pay your bills? Mm. Because at the end of the day, I would rather downgrade my life and allow someone to buy my most precious resource. Facts. That's very well said. And it's, it's similar too with college. Yeah. You know, I went, I went to college for four years. I'm grateful for the experience. If I could go back in time, like literally I was doing a live stream two days ago mm -hmm. and someone asked me what my biggest regret was. And I was like, you know what? There's different things that I wish I could have handled differently for sure. But those were all valuable lessons. I wouldn't change those. But if I could get those four years back that I was in college at University of Oregon and use that time to learn about entrepreneurship, to travel the world, to have an abundance of experiences, 1000% I would have done that instead of being what 200 K in the hole for college tuition. I study business. Ouch. I don't learn Dude, I don't use any of the shit I learned in business school in my businesses now. And this is the craziest part. Why, why is someone going to be a business professor if they know business? Right? Like, if, if I know business, why don't I just run my business instead of saying, oh, let me teach at this university how to run a business when I don't run one? It makes zero sense. It's like learning from, it's like getting a personal trainer that's not fit. He's like, well, I read a lot of books about fitness so I could teach you. And like the dude's not fit. Imagine that. That's the equivalent it's of It's like college. getting financial advice from a broke person. Exactly. Well, I read these financial books, so I, I know what I'm talking about, but it's not true. Ultimately, you learn through experience. So yeah, man, I, university was not for me. I went for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. I went for two weeks. My mom wanted me to be an engineer, you know, typical Asian lady. She's like, engineer. I'm like, okay. 
Sure, I didn't have a plan. I was one of those kids that was kind of everywhere. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I ended up going for two weeks. And I remember showing up and it was the saddest thing ever. Because the people I sat next to, I would always have these crazy ideas. I'm like, hey, do you want to be rich? And people would ask me what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to be a millionaire. How are you going to do it? I don't know. I'm going to do it, though. That was like my, person, like my attitude towards making money. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, though. And people looked at me and they thought I was dumb. But it bothered me because I would go into these classes and I would ask people, like, you don't ever want to do this? And they're like, no, it's unrealistic. It's not true. And I would ask them, hey, if it's unrealistic, how come there's people doing it? And the responses were always, they got lucky. They had a rich family. Mm. They had this. They had that. And I sat and I thought about it. And it didn't make any sense to me because if all these people from rich families or all these rich people are coming from rich families only, like, what is the point for all these like other people, you know? And you always hear these stories that were miraculous. And I'm like, I don't care if it doesn't happen. I'm going to try and be one of those people. Yeah. So I think the internet has made it easier than ever too. Cause I mean, you're, you're my age, you know, before the internet, like back then when you were probably like 18, 19, all the money-making, little money-making things you see on the internet now, they didn't exist. We didn't hear about them. Yeah. Right? Now it's like you go on the internet, TikTok, you scroll for 10 minutes, you'll find, here are the five best ways to make money online. Here are the five, five side hustles you should do. Here are the five things you can do to make 100K. Back then, there was none of that. So there was no direction. I think now one of the beautiful parts is we have everything just available to us, man. I want to I wanna ask you about that. But before I do... Like just because it's fresh in my head, I was at, I was at Chase Bank mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah, and the girl who was helping me there, she couldn't have been older than like nineteen or twenty. Really sweet girl, and she did not seem to be passionate about working at a bank. Yeah. Right. So I'm just making small talk with her, and I'm like, "What's your name?" I was like, "Hey Nicole, so so like, what are you most passionate about?" Yeah. And she paused, and she's like. That's such a deep question. I don't know. And I walked out of the bank, bro, and I was like, that's so fucking sad. Yeah. This is a 19-year-old girl, and there's many other just like her mm-hmm. who don't even know. They've been so disconnected from their ambitions, their dreams, because they've been so programmed to go through the school system, learn about things that they don't even care about, and play it safe and settle for that average mediocre life and it really just resonated with me i was like damn she's the norm yeah like you and i are the outliers bro Mm -hmm. you and i are the outliers so i'm curious because like i know we're talking a lot and like hopefully people are getting inspired and feeling empowered to create a brighter future for themselves but like let's say someone's listening they're like all right like I'm convinced. I'm going to stop watching porn. Fuck (laughs) alcohol. I'm done with this shit. I want a better life. Where would you personally get started making money online? Yeah. Knowing what you know now. So the first thing I would do is I would, well, real quick, just to add to the point uh, with this girl, Nicole. Sorry to hear that, Nicole, if you're watching this. But um, it sucks because society is built to repress those passions. They don't want you doing the passions. They want you doing what they want you to do, right? Mm. They want you uh, working at Chase Bank. You know, that's what they want you. They want you to sit in front of the desk and be a teller. They don't want you to be an artist or a painter or, or a content creator because it doesn't make them money. So they, it's designed to repress those, those 
passions. But if I were to start fresh, just wanted to make money online, just wanted to make a quick buck, the first thing I would do is find a profitable service I can offer. You don't want to sell products right away because products, product businesses typically have more logistical costs. They cost more overhead. Uh, it's going to require some sort of investment. And when you don't have money, you don't have money. You can't do anything about that. So the first thing I would do is find a service, right? A good example. You have a person that edits your videos? Yeah. Yeah. How much do you pay them? You don't mind me asking. Um, I, uh, uh, a thousand dollars for 50 videos. So it's 20 bucks a video. Thousand bucks for 50 videos. So here's a good example. If I'm a kid, I'm 18 years old, have nothing to do except for sit around. I would literally edit, edit videos for people. Cause guess what? You might be one, but I'll find, I, Hey, I, I edit, uh, Jeremy's videos. I can edit your videos the same way. And they're like, damn, Jeremy, dude, he kills it. Yeah. You can edit my videos. And then he gets 10, 10, uh, 10 people like you paying him a thousand bucks. That's 10 grand a month already. Right off the bat, right? 18 year old kid making more than engineers right from the jump, from the very beginning, making more than nurses, engineers, just from editing videos. And the craziest part is he doesn't even have to do it. He can, let's say he does yours first. He'll go and say, Hey, uh, I'll find a guy in India. $1 video. Cool. Right now he's making 20 bucks a video. He's paying $1 per video from some dude in India to edit it. All he's doing is overseeing it. Eventually he has 20 people that he's editing videos for, for a thousand bucks a month. And he's paying $2,000 to delegate it to these people. So he literally had no money. All he had to do was reach out to people say, Hey, I can do this for you. Show that he can do it. And boom, he has a skill. Another one, social media marketing. Find companies that, that need advertising, learn Facebook ads, learn Google ads, learn. Do you run any Facebook, Google ads? We're starting, we're starting actually this month. Yeah. To okay. Run, to Beautiful. Because everything up until now, bro, has been like organic. Yeah. Which is awesome, but it also is like a huge opportunity. Missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would learn how to do that stuff and say, Hey, I could do this for you. And again, same thing, just stack as many people as possible. And I know this cause this, this is exactly what I did. I didn't have a lot of money. Now I own brands with physical products and assets, but before that I didn't have money to start these brands. So what I would do is literally find a service. Mine was social media marketing, specifically Facebook ads and find clients that I could help their businesses with. Cause ultimately once you get that thing moving, right? All most people need is one or two clients to quit their job. Cause they're, they're making anywhere. I think the average salary in the United States is like $50,000 a year. So crazy, bro. So you get two clients paying you two grand a month. That's four grand a year. It's 50 grand a year. You need two, you're two clients away from quitting your job and making money on your own, becoming your own boss. And then this gives you more time and opportunity to explore your passions. Uh, another one. Well, I, let me, let me just interrupt. Cause like, yeah. I love actually the first example. I love both examples you gave, mm -hmm. but like the first one is literally so real and practical. Yeah. For instance, like anyone, anyone who does work with me, bro, is the beneficiary of my ecosystem. Like yep. if it's a videographer, like they always will get booked for different events and, and different clients and stuff like that. Same mm -hmm. thing with editing. Like I'm yeah. constantly trying to support the people that help me because I want to see them win and I want to mm -hmm. see them grow and I want to see them build their own teams yeah. so they can actually scale their shit and they mm -hmm. don't have to be the ones editing like 12,000 videos a month. Cause that's yeah. also like not practical. Right. So, so that example is so fucking real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another one, dude, this one's easy too. literally pick up a camera and just start sharing your thoughts about anything. It could be business. It could be uh, health and fitness. It could be about step more into the business plant medicine. Now. Dude, you could literally talk about anything 
and people will resonate with it because no matter what, someone's going to relate to you, right? I, I know, and you probably know, there's so many fucking business coaches, dude. There's so many. How many fucking, uh, uh, like me, sorry, I curse a lot, by the way, I'm sorry. Um, don't apologize. The but there, there's so many. What the fuck? Don't apologize <laughs> for cussing, bro. That's authentic. There's so many business coaches on the internet. How many people do you see on the internet that, that try to sell courses or do all of these things? Why do people resonate to me? There's people that are richer than me. There's people more successful than me. People that are taller. They look different. Might be better looking than me. They still resonate to me because they relate to me the most. So no matter what, there's, there's thousands of fitness people on the internet. They still resonate towards you. Because you have your own unique story, your own unique perspective, and people uh, resonate with that. So another easy one, right? And this one's not as clear cut, but the possibilities are endless. Literally pick up a camera and just start talking about your life mm. and get better at it. Yeah. Like, like talk about your life, share your experiences, talk about what you're passionate about. Because I guarantee someone is eventually going to pick up on that, like it, enjoy it. And then from there... Like, you can start making money doing that as well. Yeah, and this shit takes time. Like, yeah. like if you want to be extraordinary at anything, you have to do something ordinary for a very long period of time. Like, mm -hmm. whether that's becoming the best athlete, the best artist, the best yep. entrepreneur. Yep. Like, it's all the same game of commitment and consistency. 100%. 100%. You know? And um, Santi... I want to, can we go longer, bro? Like, yeah, because I don't have, I, I, I have my boy coming in at four and like, I don't, there's no need to, Renee's good. So like, I'd rather just flow. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love I'd rather this. just flow. Like the, um, going back to what you said about like why people resonate with you, why they may resonate with me, it comes back to authenticity. Yeah. And, and this is like the number one thing that I really try to communicate to my friends, to my students mm -hmm. to my loved ones is nobody can compete with you on being you Woo, i love it yeah you, you are so beautifully unique and divine nobody mm -hmm. nobody does it quite like you do and once you start to own own that energy and you yeah. realize like damn like yeah there's a lot of people singing there's a lot of people creating content there's a lot of people doing xyz but nobody does it quite like me like yeah. bring that unique energy and spice to everything that you do and you will be successful but most people bro most people and honestly it goes back to like one of the reasons why i think things like ayahuasca and mushrooms can be such powerful medicine is because they help remind you of your unique gifts those mm -hmm. things that you used to love doing as a child and they reconnect you with that joy like for me i used to love fucking jim carrey movies and like doing jim carrey impersonations as a kid and i stopped doing that shit like when i became an adult right and now i'm like how can i actually infuse that goofy energy into my content into my communication style because that's still part of me mm -hmm. like the most authentic part of ourselves is our inner child. Those first seven years of our life before our innocence and authenticity got robbed from us, that is the part of my life, of myself, that I'm always trying to reconnect to. Like, how can I tap into my inner child today? Mm -hmm. You feel me? Yeah. I, and when people, I love this tap into your inner child. I love that that's a popular thing to say. 
when we're childlike, we have this curiosity and like this happiness. We look at the entire world through like a beautiful lens, mm. right? When you look at kids, there's no sad kids. They're all happy kids. And it's only when we become adults that society beats us down and makes us these drones that just go through the motions and live these miserable lives, right? But these kids are just so happy. So I love, I love that tapping into the inner child mentality. And I think more people should approach it that way because ultimately... That's where I'm going to be happiest. I see you a lot because I think for me, it's harder to be as happy and energized as you, right? I'm always very productive from even like, I've gotten the habit of even if I'm sad, even if I'm fucked up, even if I feel terrible, I'm doing whatever needs to get done. Yeah, yeah, You do it with a smile on your face. I love that about you, bro. You're just like always just like a ball of like radiant energy, mm. right? What is the secret to that? What would you, what would you tell people? Like, what's the best advice for that? Well, asking for me, not even asking for other people. I'm asking for myself. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate those kind words, bro. Honestly, man, a majority of the time, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm a dude that's filled with a lot of joy, energy, passion. Mm -hmm. But don't get shit twisted. Like, I definitely have those challenges and obstacles internally where I'm like, damn, like, I don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like, I haven't arrived yet. Like, I haven't tapped into my full potential yet. And for me, now it's like having that kindness and compassion with myself when I'm starting to feel those things. Like, bro, you're doing the best you fucking can. Like, you're waking up every day and taking action. You're staying committed, consistent to your vision. You're doing the best you fucking can. So if you start to experience any of those lower vibrations or, you know, challenging emotions, don't run away from it. Allow yourself to process it, sit with it, and grow from it. And for me, that level of kindness and compassion for myself is something that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. and, and as I step into that, it's like, okay, well, how can I just infuse more of that joy into what I'm doing? Even mm -hmm. if it is a mundane thing. Like, yeah. Because ultimately, bro, ultimately, I realize... It's crazy because, like, I always talk, you know, I'm big on, like, talking about gratitude and, like, the importance of just appreciating all the little things in your life. Mm -hmm. But there's many times where I catch myself not being grateful. Yeah. And if I take a step back and I look at the life that I've created for myself, I'm like, damn, dog, like, you've come so far. I'm so proud of you, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and it's really reminding myself to be grateful for all those little things. Like, yes. like, like having a beautiful apartment in Miami Beach, having delicious warm coffee every morning, having the highest quality hydration, having the sunshine hitting my face, having amazing friends in my life, having my parents who are both in good health, you know, my health, like all of these things that I take for granted on a daily basis, returning back to that and getting grounded in that gratitude. And, and that is what allows me to anchor into more joy and happiness on a consistent basis. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. There's, there's a quote I heard, and it goes, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And ultimately, everything that might be bad in your life, it just depends on how you look at it, right? I, I try to take that now, because I used to take things really seriously. Something bad happened, I would be real down about it. Because, yeah. oh no, this is the end of the world. Uh, back then, I remember I was 16 years old. I crashed my car that I had 
And I'm an idiot. I was like sexting a girl and I crashed the car. The car that I had, I was 16 years old and it was the worst day of my life. Car was like 5,000 bucks. It wasn't anything nice. Crashed the car and I felt like my life was over. I wanted to like cry. I think I did cry. It just felt like the end of the world. Looking back at it, it's a fucking $5,000 car. I crashed it. So what? Insurance covered it. I didn't even have to pay for it. The insurance covered it. So literally there was no negative outcome from that happening. But for some reason it felt like the end of the world. More recently, I lost a lot of money in crypto. I lost like 15 grand in crypto. And instead of thinking, fuck, I lost $15,000, I took a stance of, you know what? I sh I'm blessed. The fact that I could even lose $15,000 and be good means, shows how blessed I am and how grateful I should be to even be in the position to lose $15,000. A lot know? of people lost way more than 15 dollars Exactly. So, so the fact that I could even lose that money just puts me in a position of like, Shit, this is life is good. I lost 15 grand, but life is good, you know? Yeah. So it's it's a beautiful thing to think about, man. Like the mindset, the mindset, the mindset that I'm really trying to embody lately is there's no such thing as losing. There's facts. And and, and for me, like I always had this fear of failure and that if I started something and it wasn't successful, then I'd be laughed at, I'd be embarrassed, my confidence would be shot. But now I literally have the approach that every single L is a lesson. Like every single loss is a powerful, valuable lesson that's allowing me to grow and, and learn and become a better version of myself, become mm -hmm. a better friend, a better brother, a better coach, a better creator, because ultimately it comes back to curiosity. You have to try shit out. If yeah. you don't fail, that means you're not taking action. If you don't fail, that means you're playing safe. Yeah. And that's what society wants. They want you to play safe, right? We're all operating from fucking fear on this world. Mm -hmm. Like fear is the greatest disease in humanity. And, and you saw it during COVID. So many people were operating from this place of fear. Like I'm scared to, to, to give you a hug. I'm scared to, you know, uh, go outside. And that fear literally is disease it's causing inflammation to your nervous system and it's driving inflammation and that's mm -hmm. why so many people i think are living unhealthy unhappy lives is because they're operating from that energy yeah rather than like yo i'm gonna take action i'm gonna learn something like you yeah. said like what's the worst thing that can happen exactly bro what's the worst thing that can happen if you start that business nothing if you ask that girl out i tell people all the time people say oh i'm scared to start the business i'm scared to fail if you're at a nine-to-five job that you hate you're already failing so nothing changes you fail with your business it's better than failing in your life because you're at your job the entire time that you don't even like to do one thing i always say mistakes and losses are god's way of communicating with us mm. if you do something and you make a mistake and you fail but it doesn't kill you that's god kind of giving you a slap on the wrist not that way wrong way change something up because people like to make mistakes but they don't learn from them they say they make a mistake god told you not to do that already you're still doing it obviously you're not listening right people are so blind to the messages they receive from the universe or god or whatever you believe in um but it's a beautiful thing because it tells you what's right what's wrong yeah you just have to you just have to be open to, you have to listen, bro. You have to, you have to be open to, to interpreting the information. Yeah. Like there's right? constantly, there's constantly messages coming through. Mm -hmm. And if we can learn to listen to those messages and trust our intuition more, then it's like, okay, yeah, that didn't go how I expected it to. Yeah. But 
you you better believe like I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna become better and more powerful yeah. from this experience. Mm -hmm. Like 100%. I'm gonna transmute that. What's an experience recently in your life where maybe something didn't go as you expected it to, or maybe you had a so-called failure? That's a that's a great question, man. I might have to think about that one for a little bit. I think I think one of the most recent experiences um has has come kind of in my content my content has changed a little bit because back then when i used to i got into tiktok by accident a lot of my content used to be party content people would love it and recently i just made this video that i thought would be cool party video people didn't like it you know and i think i'm slowly starting to learn i don't know if that's a big failure but i'm starting to learn that it's not what they see it's uh what they like hear like the message behind it. I think the messaging always has to come first and your intentions have to become first. Like if I'm just posting a party video for views, it's not going to work because it's not genuine to, to who I am or what I believe, right? As flashy nice. as it might be. I see a lot of people trying to be people they're not. Specifically in the world of business now or even self-help, everyone's trying to be Andrew Tate. They all want to talk about masculinity, this and that. And you're not that guy. Why are you talking about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay to be yourself. Uh, but it leads me to a question. I, I thought about it before I got sidetracked. Where are you headed next? Because I know you're doing the business stuff. You said you want to get more into the business stuff. Like, what is what is on your plate? Like, what do you have in mind for that? Oof. For me, man, it's a great question. And going back to, like, what you said about your content shifting, mm -hmm. I think our content should always be shifting and evolving just as we shift and evolve on our own human experience. Yeah. Like as we grow, evolve, learn new lessons, have more divine downloads, it's like if I'm the same person I was last week or last month, that's mm -hmm. a that's a fucking problem, bro. Yeah. Like, like I'm always checking in with myself and I'm like literally every night I recap my day like what was the biggest lesson I learned today? Mm -hmm. And how am I going to apply this to my life tomorrow? So I'm always looking to just evolve and tap into more of my God-given potential. That's just the mindset that, that I operate from. Um, so that means my messages outwardly need to also be evolving. And I can't be a slave to an algorithm. And it's like frustrating sometimes because it's like, it's like, you know, it, it happened in TikTok for me too. Like I remember I never expected to be posting nutrition content. Yeah. Never. Like someone left a comment on a video and they're like, what do you mean by lower vibration or like low vibration food? Mm -hmm. And I was at Safeway and, and I'm like, and I'm like, really? People don't know what low vibration food means. So I'm literally in the aisles. I'm like Doritos, low vibration. This is why Coca-Cola, low vibration. This is why the video went fucking viral. I bro. saw it, bro. I saw that video. This was like, no, this was like a year and a half, two years ago. Bro. Yeah. I followed you. And, and, and. It blew my mind. I was like, like, oh shit. Like people don't understand the basics. And it's the same thing I'm sure with like money and finances and business. Like sometimes we have to just get back to the basics. And I was like, okay, I'm going to educate people more on this topic. Yeah. And all the videos were hitting and I was like, oh shit. And then I took a step back though. And I was like, fuck bro. Like I don't want to be known as like the nutrition guy or like the grocery store guy. Like there's, yeah. there's plenty of people for that shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, while I'm super knowledgeable in that area, there's so many more parts to me. And I don't want to neglect those parts. Mm -hmm. 
right? So it's like always checking in, like, are my messages authentic? And sometimes, quite frankly, like I'll go back and watch some of my videos from a month ago, three months ago, even last week. Like I'll look at one of my videos and I'll, I'll like cringe a little, Yeah, you know, cause like I can, I can be in like such a different state in that moment than I was when I filmed that video. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'm in that more like, like fucking like passionate animalistic state in the gym where I'm like, fuck everything. Let's go. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm just like grounded as fuck. And I'm like, yo, what's good? Uh -huh. And I'm like, who the fuck's that crazy guy? <laughs> but, but the thing is, they're all parts of me. Yeah. Like yeah. they're, it, it's all parts of Jeremy. It's all part of like my inner world. I'm grounded, I'm calm, I'm connected, I'm present. Mm -hmm. And I'm also extremely fucking passionate. And, and I think another thing that like we've been told incorrectly by society, by our teachers, by our parents, by our rabbis, by our pastors, whoever it may be, it's like you have to fit in this box. Yeah, You're an athlete, so shut up and play sports. You're an entrepreneur, cool. Build businesses, that's what you do. Like you, you're fit. Cool. Like take your shirt off, show your six pack. Oh, you have a, you have a, you have a fat ass. Perfect. Like, let's get that on OnlyFans. It's like trying to put people in a box, mm -hmm. neglecting the fact that we're all multidimensional beings. Bro. Yep. 100%. I'm, I'm so multidimensional. And it's like all those, all those different parts like are all me, but, but, I, I got, I went on a tangent going mm -hmm. back to your question. Like I definitely this year and beyond my TEDx talk should be live by the end of this month. I think that's going to gain massive traction. Mm -hmm. And I really want to step into just speaking on stage, facilitating, doing this shit. Yeah. I want to put most of my energy into that. Mm -hmm. And then I've been in the process like the last three to four months of really building out my sales team mm -hmm. for my main mastermind mm -hmm. and taking that load off my shoulders so those things are more running on themselves with me kind of facilitating and overseeing them yeah to give myself the freedom to do this create travel so that's what i see for myself and i see myself like like when i'm in that energy bro i don't think there's many better than me like honestly 100 i i can definitely see that with you one thing i love about this specific interview right now is there's so much energy coming from both sides and the reason why i can tell we're very passionate about specific topics and some of them overlap right uh, i think self-improvement is a big one for both of us so when i hear something and i very have a very strong opinion on it i feel like i come a lot and then the same thing it just comes back this way yeah, yeah, yeah. so it almost feels like a game of like like ping pong right um you play ping pong by the way yeah all right cool we'll what do going. you at the standard spot, they have. Yeah, I, I've been playing like every day. We got to get it. Yeah, I'm down. And some hoop. Yeah, all of it, man, all of it. But definitely, I, I think that's that's true. What you're saying, there's no one better, and it goes back to just there's no one better than you at being you, right? And I think you are really well connected with yourself. You know yourself really well. You're not lost at all. You're not trying to be someone you're not. You know exactly who you are and you just make the type of content you like to make. And that's what makes it so successful. Because this is a funny story. I remember on TikTok, I had more followers than you at some point. Yeah. I looked, I'm like, oh, this guy. And I, I followed you, followed you back. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. He does like this stuff. And out of nowhere, dude, you just like, whoosh. I think you have two or three times as more, more than me now. 
No, no. Like, I'm, I've been at 1.4 for months. I've been shadow banned, but, like, these couple videos for, like, the last 24 hours yeah. um, have been crushing. So I think I removed, finally removed this shadow ban, hopefully. Yeah. Which is always a good feeling, right? Yeah, 100%. It's like, it's like when you break out of it. Bro, there's nothing, there's nothing more discouraging. There's nothing more discouraging when it's like you're putting out good content, like you're working your face off, and you know it's good content. Like, you know it's good content, like the message is good, like, like the quality is good, and it gets like, you know, you have 700K on TikTok, I have like over a million, and it gets like, 3k views happens though bro that's just the algorithm that's how it is yeah i think one, one of the biggest things now it's the content just has to be super good but the only way you really get content that's really good is by producing volume because you don't know at the end of the day you could have your opinion about a video and be like this is fire and then you post it and it doesn't hit yeah right or there's gonna be because i've had videos where i'm like i don't know if i like it but my editor sends me it i'm like cool whatever let's post it we post it it gets like a million a million views Ultimately, I think if you're just sharing the message that you genuinely believe in, facts doesn't matter because 3,000 views uh, still is good if it's something you believe in. If you feel like you needed to get it out there, right? If, if it's something you're a vessel for, fucking say it, post it, of doesn't matter. Do you, do you have, does, does one of your editors do all of the timestamps, clips, because one of the things I've had trouble outsourcing, and this is super technical question. Yeah. But like, for instance, we're going to record this podcast. We're going to fucking go for 90 minutes, maybe even two hours. Fuck it, right? <laughs> right? I'm going to watch the whole episode. Love that, bro. And I'm going to like, okay, these are timestamps. Yeah. That's one thing that like, I've tried it with a couple people. Like, hey, clip it. What you think are the most powerful moments. They don't get it. It, it's hard, right? Because, like, my like my videographer now who's been with me for, like, six or seven months, but, like, we're together a lot, she really understands, and I trust mm -hmm. her, yeah. like, clipping stuff. But when it comes to this, like, I'm going to watch the whole pod. So so what do, you, what do you do in regards to that? You know, like, it, it's hard. There's not really a solution for it. Because even you see Gary Vee, he has 15 million followers. He has videos that get 20K views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Because not everything you say is going to hit, and your editors are not always going to get it. I think the best magic happens uh, organically. Like, naturally, you're going to, at some point, we, you do one of these. Could be this one. You're going to say something that's just, like, super uh, significant, and it gets 20 million views. Oh, there's, there's been a lot of those moments during this conversation. Yeah, so I, I feel like as long as you just keep this up and you just do as many as you can, you're going to get one no matter what. That's the thing I tell everyone. If you do something enough, if you film enough videos, you clip enough stuff, it's going to fucking hit, man. Facts. It's just a matter of when. It's just Time. a matter of, it's, yeah, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you do it, it's, it's going to hit. What about for you? Like, what, what do you feel like, what is kind of that next chapter look like for you in terms of, what you're most excited to step into? You know, I'm trying to move away from, I feel like I put myself in a box a little bit with this flashy image. So I'm trying to move away from that flashy image. If you notice in the beginning, I was posting a lot of like party content. Now, a lot of it is talking and reminiscent of, of that type of stuff because that's not really my message. You know, it's unfortunate though because you almost have to use that to get the attention. Mm. So... I don't mind using that old stuff to get the attention, but the message has changed. And I think as a society, everyone, or even on the internet at least, 
self-improvement's becoming more popular. Back then, self-improvement was like, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? Cool. Now every single person wants to be an entrepreneur. Facts. It's the cool thing to be an entrepreneur. So because of that, I want to show that you don't have to be someone that looks only to party or to do stuff like this. You can, um, you can just be a regular person and have a regular life and just enjoy things you do. You don't have to be as extravagant. You can be very simple and just have a love for business, the mission. And I think that's the most important thing is your mission, your passion, whatever you like to do. Is, is, do, you think, do you think all of that flash from like the entrepreneurial lens came from like Dan Bilzerian and people like that, like 10 years ago who were just fucking just, just flashing all the women, all that lifestyle. Because, because what, what's interesting, bro, is like, I'm always, I'm always one of the things like talking about like next chapters and stuff for me this year and moving forward relationships are a big priority for me yeah cultivating new expansive relationships and and really nurturing the relationships that i value now mm -hmm. and really like surrounding myself with people that fucking inspire me like yeah. i found myself with with many of my friends and i love all of them but it's like i was the one doing the big things yeah and I was like, I know I need to change my surroundings. Mm -hmm. So I went to a leadership retreat in December and like, I'm continuing just to level up. That's like huge for me right now. Um, and I noticed like the people that I really fuck with, they've created success, wealth, and they also haven't compromised themselves in the process. Like maybe like you, they, they chase the material things. Mm -hmm. They experience that, but like they live a pretty simple life for the most part. Yeah. Well, just going to the why it became popular, I think with social media, people have been doing this. Like dudes that have a bunch of money, they've been flying a bunch of girls out and doing all this flashy stuff. The issue was no one ever saw it because it was never on social media. So I think Dan Bozerian was, usually you want to hide these things, right? If you're like out with a bunch of girls, you're not going to post it. You don't want people to find out. Right. You don't want to seem like a degenerate on social media. Dan Bozerian was the first person to step in and embrace it. You know, like, this is my life. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to share it. And when he did that, guys, predominantly guys, were like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, like, yeah. this guy's actually, look at this guy. He's like, embrace Because every guy wants that secretly. They're like, I want to have, like, a bunch of girls and all, a private jet, all these nice things. They want that, but they were always scared to be so brash about it. And when Dan Bozerian did it, it was it became a hit because he was the first one to do it. Mm. And then I think what happened is, because Dan Bozerian's not the only guy with money that, that's been able to do that. You know, a bunch of guys have, have been able to do that. I've done a couple crazy things that I posted. Like, I posted one time, like, me and four girls in the shower. Like, it was crazy. This was back in the day. Um, you smashed them all? <laughs> you savage. Um, Those Filipinos, man. <laughs> so, they'll eat dogs. They'll bang four <laughs> girls in the shower. So literally, yeah. like, <laughs> like now what, what I think is happening what I think is changing a lot of people have copied that they've tried to po they've posted all the girls the girls and cars and stuff and people are kind of sick of seeing it they're like okay this is played now we get it this happens before it was like some completely unheard of thing it was so sick that's why Dan Bilzerian went so viral but then because so many people have access to the internet and so many people do this stuff they're all showcasing the same things it's just another one of those videos like cool whatever 
I'm over it. I've seen this so many times. So now the message is becoming important again. It, it becomes more what you say. Another good example is like half-naked girls. I saw a video on TikTok on my For You page. Half-naked girl popped up, 35 likes. And it was like, I thought about it. I was like, that's so embarrassing. Imagine like taking your, all, like almost all your clothes off, being half-naked, trying to act sexy to get 35 likes. Because the attention has shifted. There are so many girls that offer that same exact thing in the same way that there's so many guys that offer these flashy videos of cars and girls and travel videos that it's no longer appealing. People, it's, not, it's played. People have seen it all. Yeah. So now the thing that, that is becoming more appealing is the message again. And it's a beautiful thing because now you can't fake that. You can't fake the message. If you're lame with a lot of money, you might be able to post videos with girls. But if you're lame, you're not going to be able to get in front of a camera and speak your mind and now it's like the real shit is going to come out. The people that are real. Thanks. It's so true. I'm so glad ones. you said that. Yeah. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts? I'm curious, like, like on just a couple of things, like, um, what are your thoughts? Cause I know you're, you're in a committed relationship now. Yeah, man. So mm -hmm. I've been, I've been wrestling with the idea of monogamy, mm -hmm. right? Is monogamy another social construct that is designed to keep us in this box or is monogamy the way right mm. for you like where you're at in your life yeah what are your thoughts on that so uh, this is actually a great question i love it first time i've heard that question too um i've been in situations where i've dated a, a lot of girls at the same time um not secretly like they knew i was dating a lot of girls at the same time i've been in this situation where I'm monogamous and I have a girlfriend, committed relationship. I think ultimately it depends on the person. And I think you knowing yourself, if you're unhappy in a monogamous relationship, then there's nothing wrong with you saying, you know what, I'm not going to be monogamous. I think the issue comes when you tell a girl you're monogamous and you're not because that's just lying. Right. Right. So I think there's a difference between guys that are like, like dickheads where they tell the girl, oh, you're my girlfriend and you're the only girl I'm talking to and they're talking to like six other girls. I think mm -hmm. that's an issue. Um, but if you're a guy and you're like, you know what? Like, I'm not a one lady type of man. I'm just gonna date a lot of girls and the girls know that because believe it or not, if you're a successful guy, fit guy, good looking guy, a lot of girls won't mind if you're dating more than one girl. If you're so, just upfront transparent if you're honest. upfront transparent honest you know given that you still make them feel special like for me uh in the past like i've i've dated girls and, and i've taken care of them like i pay for all the bills and stuff they stay at my place they get to go to nice places they get to experience a nice life flights are booked they get to travel around they don't have to work the perks of that is like okay cool and this dude might just see other girls and talk to other girls would you do that for just one girl or would you do that for multiple girls simultaneously? Uh, I would, I mean, in the past, like I said, I have to preface this in the past. Of course, of course. Uh, I would have like one main girl and then like just other girls that I would just bring around. So take them around, but they wouldn't, I guess, reap the full benefits. They would still, like, get flown around and stuff. Reap the but, full benefits. Really? I love it. It's like the Renee, like, the VIP package, the gold <laughs> platinum. Like, yo, you get access to the penthouse. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. So they would still get to, fly, like, fly around and, like, come places. Hey, you want to go here? You want to go there? Like, this is the plan. That's dope. And then I would, like, introduce them to each other. So they were like... How did that go? Sometimes weird, because it's like the women are kind of passive-aggressive. 
yeah, yeah. like passive aggressiveness. But then eventually, like they're like, "Oh, this is cool." It's like having a friend that they're all probably like, "Yeah, they're." We just sleep with the same guy, but we have a friend, you know. Um, so yeah, I've experienced that side, and then this side, I'm in a monogamous relationship, and it's cool because it's just one person, and ultimately, I think it just depends on on what you want, because at the end of the day, people say. It's fucked up. There should be one person for everyone, but I don't think that's true. Because some girls would be happier. Because if it was, if that was the case, right? There, there's a, a thing right now where where women are only happy with thirty percent of guys in the world. Well, that's because seventy percent of dudes are fucking soft betas who got the jab, who are fucking <laughs> ripping vapes. They're numbing themselves with alcohol. They're a slave to porn. That's why there's only thirty percent of men that are actually. Eligible so, for dating. So the, the dating pool is shrinking, bro. This is where my point's going. Let's say half of those women, 50% of women would, would be happier with a guy that's like just a fucking dude that's fit, has money, takes care of them. They would be happier sharing a guy like that than having to settle for like a loser. Because I think that's the worst thing. A, a woman, if she has to settle for a loser, she's so tired of her fucking life by the end of it. Like I know... I know uh, Girls, I don't know, I get I get flamed on TikTok. I talk about how guys, I think, should be the ones providing. For yeah, everything. yeah. Providing and protecting. Paying for everything, right? And never have I once, like, gotten a girl be like, oh, no, no, I want to pay for stuff. There's never been a woman that's like, I want to pay for half the rent. Never. Yeah. Ever. And as independent as women want to be, great. I love that. Yes, boss up. Start a business. Do your thing. At the end of the day, I think women intrinsically want to be taken care of. Facts. They want to be a queen. Yeah. And they want to have a king by their side. And 100%. part of the king's role is to provide and to protect. 100%. And like that, that like one of the, I think like one of the worst things, and I'm not even going to lie, bro. I'm not even going to front because I've been guilty of this, like the past version of myself years ago, like when I had dating apps and shit, which was like at least four and a half, five years ago. Mm-hmm. I think one of the weakest signs of a man is splitting yeah. the bill. Yeah. With a woman. Yep. Like, bro, if you can't afford to take care of a fucking dinner, how are you going to take care of someone for their life, bro? How are you going to, like, protect a child and have a family? I tell women this all the time. If a man can't afford to split the bill, how is he going to afford to take care of your kids? How is he going to afford to take care of your family? And if a man doesn't want to make the money to, to split the bill or even pay for the bill, it shows what kind of man he is. Because if he, it's so easy to make money. So if he can't do that, that means he's not going to put effort into the relationship. He can't put effort into making money or his fitness. How is he going to put effort into a relationship? Mm. You know? So th- going back to my point, I think a lot of women would be happier sharing a dude that would take care of them than fucking being with a dude that they have to split the bills with, that they don't even like. They're just doing it because society says they have to get married. It's really fucked up, right? And people are going to see this and be like, oh, like, what a dickhead. But it, it's true. That I'm just talking from experience. I know a lot of, like, like, these girls were genuinely happier to be sharing me than they having, to, with some other having to opt in for, like, some dude that's just, like, a scrub. Yeah, like a loser, Yeah, you know? Uh, well, here's the thing, too. Like, oh man, there's just, there's just so many ways I want to like so many directions we can take this, but like, um, fuck man. It like what you, what you said, like when you have it in that perspective, because the way society 
is programming masculine and feminine energy right now is so mm -hmm. fucked up. Yep. Right? 100%. Because there's been this whole feminist movement of like women empowerment, which I'm all about, by the way. I Facts. fucking love women empowerment. But here's the thing. For me, women empowerment involves educating women on their cycle, getting them off birth control and other harmful prescription drugs, and, and, and allowing them to actually be in their feminine and not feel the need to like work hard and grind and hustle and be a badass bitch. Like that's cool if that's your path, but there's so many women right now, bro, who are like working their face off. They're completely neglected from like their true feminine essence. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's actually what they want and desire. 100%. Like, I agree. Like we, like men and women are fundamentally different. Yes. And gender roles are a real thing. Yes. Right? Like I say this, I, when, I, when people, we talk about gender roles, right? People get angry about it. No, gender roles don't, shouldn't exist. I, I say it like this. I didn't create gender roles. I didn't make it. Why are you mad at me? God made the gender roles, right? Mm. A man is stronger than a woman physically for the most part, 90% of the time, because he is built to protect her physically. That's why he's stronger. I didn't do that. God did that. Facts. So don't take it up with me. Take it up with, with God, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like all of these things exist in that form for a reason. It's almost a perfect harmony, right? It's balance. Mm. We live in a perfectly balanced world where I might lack uh, a woman can pick, pick that up. Like a great example. I, I'm not very nurturing, right? Like I can try to be, but I will never be as good as a woman at nurturing someone, mm. right? At nursing someone. Let's say someone's injured. My response as a guy is like, yo, get the fuck up. What are you doing? Yeah. Whereas a woman might be like, nurse you back to health and make you feel better. Because mm. women have these healing qualities, mm. right? Men might have healing qualities, but it's not the same as a woman's healing That's quality. That's so true. So to take away from that and say, hey, you should be the one providing and protecting. You should be the one acquiring resources would be the, the same as telling a guy, hey, you should be the one like nursing people back to health. It's like... Oh, it's making us go against our biology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That, like, it, 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 it really, it's crazy how it's become, like, a controversial topic. You know, for me, like, I look at my personal upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. My dad was a neurologist. He started making good money. And then he and my mom came to the agreement that my mom was going to stop working and take care of my brother and I. And yeah. that was the greatest decision my mom and dad could ever make because my mom was literally like the most present mom. She was the most loving mom, the most supportive mom. And she was able to dedicate her energy to being a mother and raising her kids. And, and here's the yes. thing though. Here's the thing though. She wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. like, like I think it's really important to get clarity on like what fills you up the most and my mom got so much joy and fulfillment and purpose from being a mother yes. right and and that's not to say like she shouldn't you know maybe have a little side hustle or do something else on the side that like makes money and brings her joy like go ahead and do that but she was committed to being a mom and i think our society is almost almost vilified being a mom bro like being mm -hmm. a mom is the most important job in the world yeah and I, I agree with that 100%. Good mothers uh, are super key. And you, you can take a look at just from experience, right? I didn't have a dad. I feel like I turned into a pretty good guy myself. But that's because I had a good mother, mm. you know? And I think mothers play a more pivotal role than fathers do. Fathers have a place in raising a kid, right? Uh, I'm not saying they don't because I do, I do think 
that fathers play a pivotal role, but mothers, a mother's love is like unparalleled, bro. Mm. There's nothing like a mother's love, you know? That's facts. My mom, like, my mom, she believed in me, bro, before I ever had any sense of belief in myself. Mm -hmm. And like, I tell her that all the time. Like, I wouldn't be doing any of the stuff I'm doing now without the unconditional love that you gave me for 20 plus years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, man. So, so if you don't mind, like is, did your dad, was he just like not involved at all? Did he leave? Like what was <sighs> my dad is a, it's a very complicated story. He was a, he was a guy that I think he was just a little bit fucked up in the head. Um, he was a, a cop in the Philippines. So He's been shot a lot. He's killed a lot of people. Just how it is in a third world country when you're part of the police. Um, it just happens. So he's killed a lot of people. He's mm. been shot a lot of times. I think it fucks with your like your brain altogether when you have to kill people, when you have to... A lot to. of trauma, a lot of PTSD. Yeah, so I think it just screwed with him altogether. Um, and eventually, he ended up here in the United States with my mom. And they had me, but... I think when you're that fucked up, you just don't care. So he left when I was like two or three. I was mm-hmm. a kid. Uh, and I remember he was real violent too. Like he was violent with me, violent with my mom. Wow. It was just overall like just just good. Uh, so yeah, it. he left. My mom had to figure it out on her own. And that kind of like how I was born. I mean, how I was raised. Uh, yeah, so I think mothers definitely just... They play a, a different role than fathers. Did you feel like, I know we have to wrap up in like the next five. Did you feel like, uh, actually, I'm not going to ask that. Yeah. Because one, one of the things I wanted to ask about, uh, and, and, and we'll keep it quick, but like another thing that I'm always thinking about, right, mm-hmm. is I look at people that I admire, whether it's Tony Robbins, whether it's Kobe Bryant, RIP, and I look at kind of like their whole ecosystem, their life, right? Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot of these high performers in different areas, they've been with the same partner for years, decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, based on your experience, right? Because trying to balance, bro, like five, six girls at once, that's a lot of fucking energy, dude. Yeah, like, 100%. Like, that's a lot of energy that could be directed at your business, your purpose, your mission. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, like, in the time that you've been in this committed monogamous relationship, do you feel like it's also supported your business, your productivity, et cetera? I think it, it eliminates a lot of the things that go through your head as a guy. I think any good guy will want any woman that he's with to be happy. And if there's five of them, it's going to take more work, mm. right? If you have a girlfriend who supports you, who loves you unconditionally, um, it's going to require a lot less of your energy and it's going to allow you to focus a lot more of your energy towards your business, towards your goal, towards your mission. But when we, going back to, to Tony Robbins and Kobe Bryant, I'm happy you brought these examples. I look up to these guys a lot. Tony Robbins, actually, believe it or not, the city he's from, his hometown, is one mile away from my hometown. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then Kobe from L.A. I'm from L.A. So, or he played in L.A. But, um, <sighs> In a weird way, it's, it's hard to answer this question because Tony Robbins, you know, he's divorced, right? From his first original wife, yeah. Oh, divorced from, and he's been yeah. with this wife for a while. Yeah. 
and then um, Toby had some. Yeah. So it's like it's a really interesting, interesting take. I think definitely having one woman helps you achieve your goal. But I think men just have like this this like weird drive to like conquer as many things as possible, right? But I, I look at it like this. Just because we biologically feel it doesn't make it right. We biologically feel the need to eat a shitload of sugar and unhealthy foods, right? Biologically, because our bodies crave it. Because we evolved in a time where that was necessary. It's not necessary in today's world to do that stuff. So it's like in the same way that you might have biological urges to do other things. Fighting those biological urges sometimes create the best possible version of yourself. And it makes you into like a true man. Yeah. It, it was, I was actually, I had this on my notes. I don't even know why the fuck I wrote this on this notepad. But like I wrote, uh, there's this study that if you go seven days without masturbating or ejaculating, it increases your testosterone levels by 45%. Okay. And I think it's just a greater indication of like, if men really want to step into our power, mm-hmm. we need to abstain from quick hits of dopamine and instant gratification. Yep. And if we can do that for days, weeks, months at a time and channel that creative energy towards our workouts, towards our mission, towards our business, towards our relationships, we're going to create a fucking great life for ourselves and everyone around us. Facts. Um, bro, as we wrap up, as we wrap up, like, I'm so grateful, dude. I'm so grateful that we finally were able to do this and like super spontaneous. We went for a long time too. This is going to be like a two hour episode. This this was fucking straight fire. I need, I need like, I need like a couple breaths after this. Um, (laughs) Is there anything we didn't touch on or maybe like a final message that you have for everyone listening and watching that, that, that you feel called to channel and be a vessel for? No, man. I think the, the primary message we shared today was honestly start doing what you are called to do. Start doing what you love to do. Start becoming a better person. I think if you leave the world a better place than you got here, your mission on this planet is complete. I think that's the ultimate message I could leave. That's what's up. Renee Lacotte, everybody. Let's fucking go. Appreciate you, you already know. Share this show. Tag Renee <laughs> on the gram. Tag myself on the gram. We'll leave all of his socials and everything else in the show notes. Fuck yeah. That was fire. Appreciate it, brother. Straight fire. We're about to play some ping pong. Oh. Rip the vape. Do a couple lines <laughs> of blow. And numb ourselves with alcohol. Much love, fam. Peace. Oh, I love that, bro. Oh my goodness, you made it until the end of this podcast and I'm so grateful for you just really committing to your health and to your transformation. So just take a moment to appreciate and acknowledge yourself for making it until the end and I really hope that you take at least one thing that you heard today and implement it into your life because knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. It requires you to take action and implement these different practices and principles into your life. And I'm here to support you every step of the way. So again, word of mouth is my oxygen. I don't do this for money. I just do it to cultivate community and help you enrich your life. So if you gain value from the show, share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram story, tag me at Coach Jeremy 305. And if you want to see the video version of this episode, go check out our YouTube channel because again, 
when you see things, sometimes it brings them to life and you can really see different parts of this conversation and the relationship dynamic with each guest. So again, fam, thank you. Thank you so much. You already know what time it is. It's time to take action on your dreams and thrive.